Hey guys, welcome back to the Slice Podcast. It's uh, it's me and Shane. We're today. back. We're back. We're, we're gonna back. we're gonna hopefully hear some episodes beforehand with the three of us rather than just the two of us. But we're taking advantage of our uh, of our self isolation and our quarantine, and we're gonna try to do some um, some deep dives and some intro twos on a couple of different artists. Mm. So we thought, what a way to get back into to the slice than uh, than to cover some of our favorite albums by some of our favorite artists. Yeah, Shane. Yeah, yeah. I'm really yeah. excited. I'm so excited to be back. I've been working on my beach bod and uh, been doing some prison style workouts in my room. Um, I've murdered three people. Uh, not really, because I do you have three teardrops. Uh, they, I call them piddles. Three piddles <laughs> <laughs> under my left eye to signify the crimes I've committed. Oh boy. Yeah. No, it's good. Well, I'm glad it's you're like... evading the law. And uh, I mean, I'm actually obeying the law by staying inside and murdering people. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's more shunned upon, or looked. I think you're better off right now. It's comparable going, now. I yeah. think you're better off murdering somebody than yeah. going outside. Yeah, yeah. if you murder them in your house versus going outside, I think it's better. Mm-hmm. In 14 days. Uh, cool. All right, so we're gonna get back into things today. Um, we figured we start with an artist that we saw a couple times live last year, and we actually Shane and I actually took a road trip out to his home state to watch him perform. Um, I hadn't seen him perform in a long time. Shane, you had never really seen him perform um, live before, other than just kind of the live albums and live material I I had sent you and um, pushed on you for the last year. Um, so we thought we'd start with uh, with the band. I don't want to introduce him just yet because Shane, I don't know if you want to preface anything else. I mean, so everything you just said uh, is true. Um, I actually had not listened to him really or them really. Um, and it, it, there's one thing that I've learned in my life and what I've learned is number one, if the glow in the dark tour comes back, I will be attending it. Mark my words. <laughs> number two is never say no to a concert that is someone that you haven't listened to uh always trust your gut because this concert was the experience for me that turned me on to this artist and has made me like i feel like such a fangirl now and like i'm just every just consistently consuming the music from this artist so i i i think it's a great way to kick it off and be back Yeah, I agree. Um, So to all of you out there, if you are fans of Justin Vernon, if you are fans of Bon Iver, this is our intro to Bon Iver. to go as in depth as uh as you know a pronunciation of the band name because that's a hot topic as well as well, i introduced this i realized i said bon iver and then i said bon iver right after so uh, well it, it is bon iver because it, it comes bon iver. it comes from the the thing uh bon, bon iver winter. in france good winter yeah yeah 
Yeah, and uh, good winter in uh, Wisconsin, where he's from. So, uh, Bonnie, I'll just give you guys a little bit of a background on the band. Um, it was a band started in 2006 by singer-songwriter Justin Vernon. Some of you have probably heard his most popular music in uh, Skinny Love, which is kind of what he was known for um, for a very, very long period of time. Um, his first album, For Emma, Forever Ago, came became kind of a of a, a myth or kind of like this this almost like a, a folktale uh, in some circles for, for, for independent music fans. Um, so basically after he, uh, the breakup of his band, Dearman Edison um, and an end of a romantic relationship, he actually was sick with mononucleosis. Um, he left North Carolina and moved back to Wisconsin and then spent uh, the winter months at his father's cabin in Dunn County, Wisconsin. Um, so that's where he first started to kind of dive into uh, the moniker of Bon Iver. Um, obviously it was the middle of winter so I'm sure uh, he just looked outside his window and was like, what a great band name. Um, and if you have seen Justin Vernon, he does very much look like a cabin man or a man that would just, you know, have a cabin and come out and release brilliant music once every four years and then disappear. Um, but that's kind of the background on his first album. He's obviously, uh, you know, grown a lot since then. I think, you know, every one of his albums is kind of what brought a new layer to his music. And then there are some other members of the band now. Um, his his touring is, is you know, quite a difference from his, um, from, from the stuff that you'll hear on his albums. Um, but yeah, he's also got members, Sean Carey. Uh, you may have heard of Colin Stetson, who releases um, some stuff independently as well, and Sean Carey has as well. Um, and then he's just kind of had collaborators in a ton of different artists, uh, including one of our favorites, uh, Kanye West. So that's kind of where I first broke into hearing a little bit more of his material. Um, but it all started with Forever Forever Ago. So Shane, you actually have been listening to, I, I'm pretty familiar with the discography overall, but I know that you were just listening to it uh, earlier today and over the past couple of days. So is there anything you wanted to add in there? Is there anything that, um, that I missed that maybe you can supplement somehow? Yeah. So, I mean, number one, I would say, when you talk about a cabin man, this, this guy looks insane and like he does not look like you would expect him to look when he's <laughs> when he's playing and generally it's beautiful yeah, falsetto <laughs> yeah he's got uh, he's wearing a, a sweatband a basketball jersey and then his hair is thinner than mine combed over on the top and long on the sides it's very it's a very strange thing uh but yeah he's he's i don't know what else to say about him it's crazy i think going back and listening to the earlier stuff and the evolution through it especially over the last couple of days has been super interesting yeah, I think uh, Forever Forever Ago is, uh, it's definitely the most foundational, I'd say. Like, I think everything that he's done since then has really built from Forever. So you'll hear, you know, songs like Wolves um, and some of the, the, the longer tracks that kind of have, you know, a split or a change in, in, in the, the melody halfway through the song. Um, I think it translates really, really well live. And I think going back and listening to things like Skinny Love, I think Skinny Love is probably one of the songs that he's kept really true to you know, the, the isolation and, and, and just kind of him, even when he performs it live, um, he usually is on stage by himself with a mm -hmm. guitar sitting down and a microphone. Um, so it's, it's a rare part of the concert where he's not, you know, um, 
surrounded by a cast of different uh, instrumentalists. So I think it, it very much is indicative of what Forever Forever Ago really was to him. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that album really kind of sets out uh, what Bon Iver has become over the last decade. Um, and it's also, I mean, where Kanye first kind of recognized him. And um, there's a story in a complex article from 2009 that talks about um, Bon Iver essentially getting an email from Kanye West that had tickets to, uh, to fly him out to Hawaii where they were recording uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Um, and he basically just didn't really know what to do with the information. And I guess Kanye West is not the kind of person, especially circa 2010, Kanye West isn't exactly the person that you just turn down. Um, and there was obviously a lot of buzz around what was happening um, during the uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy era with, you know, Good Fridays and, you know, him kind of just leaving the world in a weird place after he ran up on stage with Taylor Swift. So uh, that's the story of how they kind of linked up and started to work together. And I think that, uh, Shane, I'm sure you echo this, but I think some of the best work that we've heard from um, Kanye has actually been alongside Justin Vernon. I think they uh, they complement each other really, really well. Um, and then on the flip side, I think, you know, there's a very clear um, transition from being that, you know, individual solo artists on, on, on Forema Forever Ago uh, and to, to, you know, the Bon Iver in 2012. And I, that, I think that's the era where, you know, he worked on Dark Twisted Fantasy and things like Watch the Throne. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with you. I would think, in, in my opinion, that is the perfect Kanye West album, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And I think that's kind of the, the craziest part about all of this is, like I said, I, I didn't really listen to him much and then after the concert i went back and listened to everything and you know i tried listening to 22 a million and i'm sure we're going to get to that in a second i don't want to jump ahead but i tried listening to that like probably five or six times i just could not get through it and then after seeing him live it just all totally made sense so like that for me was that album is screams kanye and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is is the perfect Kanye and that's where they first linked up and you can really see the influence they had on each other throughout the albums after that I would say it's it's almost like to the point where when Kanye doesn't have him on a song he's trying to create the effect of him still being on that song like no song is complete without that little bit of a sprinkle of him onto what that song eventually becomes yeah, I agree. I think uh, a perfect example of that, jumping way ahead, but listening to, um, what song is it on on the most recent Kanye album, Jesus is King? There's a... The song, is it with Ann Clements? No, it's with uh, Fred Hammond Jr. And it's uh, Hands On. Hands On, I think it's called? Let's yes, it it's Hands On. That song... I obviously, as they were kind of rolling out Jesus is King, um, we had heard kind of snippets and videos online um, of him performing in, in live venues and, and you listen to it from a distance and it sounds just like Justin Vernon using the Messina effect, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but yeah, he's, he, I think he recognizes the amount of work that that they've kind of done with one another because they did spend, you know, Dark Twisted Fantasy. Obviously he was in Hawaii, but that wasn't really the end of it. He worked with him again on Watch the Throne. He's on That's My Bitch. He's on uh, No Church in the Wild, I believe he's on as well. I think he had backing vocals on that. There's a couple songs on that album that he has backing vocals on. Um, and he's sprinkled kind of everywhere on Dark Twisted Fantasy. Obviously Lost in the World samples Woods, um, which is an independent an individual song of of, uh, of Justin's on the Blood Bank EP, which just saw a re-release. Um, and then 
you know, he's got you know, dark fantasy and he kind of modulates his voice and makes him sound almost like a demon on that. And I think that kind of vocal effect that you heard on Dark Twisted Fantasy really, you know, not to jump ahead to your point, Shane, but I think it really shaped what we started to hear with um, 22 a million where he starts to, you, you know, use synthesizers a lot more prevalently in his music. And um, he just kind of screws his voice up and he does it live. And it's it's awesome. It's really not used or autotune really isn't used that way. Um, I'd say in most cases, you know, a couple artists like Travis Scott and stuff like that have used it, but I think, you know, Justin's really come to the forefront of, of using it almost like a filter for his voice rather than just as something that, you know, pitch corrects and, and, and compensates for people that maybe can't hit certain notes. Yeah, for sure. I think it's he uses it as a tool very much in the same way that Kanye does. You're right. I think so much so that you hear it on the songs where he's actually using it with a, a saxophone, like he's running it through like the modulator. I, I can't remember what the name of it is. I think you know what, what it's called, right, Daniel? The Messina effect. Yeah, where he uses that on live on a um, on a on a sax and and they'll distort it throughout the concert to make it sound completely different than what you thought a sax could sound like which i think is amazing and it speaks to the magic that that i think he has yeah for sure uh so i mean that kind of covers the first little bit of his uh, of his journey and just kind of where he started to bloom a little bit more um where i really started to listen to him there's a good friend of mine out there shout out to tori shane obviously knows tori as well she uh she's a huge fan of bonnie bear um and and a close friend of the show so she um actually went to a concert with me when he toured in 2011. Um, she has a funny story about it. If any of you ever want to hear that, I can share it offline, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to share it on the, on the intro to podcast. Uh, but the, uh, it was one of the best sets I've ever seen. Um, and, and I, and I think, you know, it really kind of reinforced that he was more of a band rather than an individual. I think maybe Bonnie Bear. Um, really was just Justin for a long period of time, especially because of Forema. And then when he started to, to, you know, when I saw him live, at least seeing, you know, a sax player and a triangle player and, and all kinds of shit going on on stage um, at Sound Academy, it, it just kind of changed the lens that I that I looked uh, at the band through. So Bon Iver, um, the second album, uh, I think it, it covers a lot of uh, growth. I think it's probably the biggest jump if i had to say maybe i would, maybe say, not the no, biggest I would jump. say 22 22 a million from yeah that. i would say the self-titled album then 22 a million that is the biggest if I, had jump. To, if I had to draw a parallel it's almost like for emma's rough in the way that the college dropout was rough and bon Iver is polished in the same way that late registration was polished so i think it, it covers a lot of the same ground but you know it's recorded with you know brass instruments that are on the album there's a trumpet solo i think or a sax solo on the ending of perth you don't hear any brass instruments really throughout um uh for emma forever ago so it definitely um you know grows uh from there and then yeah i think the big jump is yeah you're absolutely right it's the like big jump Jesus. is from it's, it's bon Iver bon Iver to Jesus. yeah like for sure yeah it's so it's so <laughs> it's it's very polarizing the album i think well i think it's funny every time we've gone to a show there's people that uh that will kind of hear whispering or talking and they're generally like man i, I wish you would play more of his early stuff because 
I don't like the, you know, the vocoder or the autotune effect or whatever he's using live. And you and I kind of laugh at it because I think that it's probably probably one of my favorite things that he does live is just fuck his voice up and still make it sound awesome. But I guess it's not for everybody. No, it's. I think it's very much the same way that not everybody enjoys jazz, right? Not everybody enjoys the improv. Everybody wants it to be yeah. clinical. Everybody wants it to be exactly as they heard it on the album. But I think the beauty of Bon Iver and my what what turned me on to him so much and how like my favorite album to listen to is actually not an album. It's the NPR live recording of him playing in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I think if you listen to that, then you will gain a totally different understanding and appreciation appreciation for 22 a million and the projects before that i think he allows his projects so much room to breathe live and really opens them up and you can feel the life that they're injecting into it as as well as his backing band it's it's unlike anything really that that i've seen live yeah when we saw him in october uh so we saw him last summer in uh was it Summerfest that we went to yeah, or did he just have no he was part of Summerfest. yeah so we went to we we actually took a drive out to the midwest to to see him in his home state at Summerfest, um, which was awesome um and he played outside it was right before i i had i think it got announced while we were driving back and we started to hear i think it was a second single i think faith came out while we were driving back yeah we were listening um, to him for sure yeah, we were listening to Hey Ma. It had come out right right before we had kind of taken the trip, but and he had played Hey Ma live. Um, so it was kind of great to see 22 a million because I think that that was really the anchor for the show. That was the majority of what he had pulled. Um, but I think the show that really kind of took off was we saw him play Air Canada Center. Sorry, Scotiabank Arena. Uh, we saw him play Scotiabank Arena in October, and it was... I don't really know how to describe it. Like it almost felt like a Daft Punk show in some ways, like the light show that he had going on on stage. The point is, is like, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. But like, you don't, if you listen to his first two albums and then you jump ahead and you would have seen him, you know, in 2019, you, there's a huge disconnect there. I feel like there's about seven years of history that you have to kind of take into account. And the thing is, is like some of the songs that are on, you know, the blood bank EP, like blood bank and, uh, Perth and stuff like that that he still plays live they just take on a completely different um, tone when he's playing uh, you know currently when he's touring for the last I'd say three or four years right and I think that that's your point Shane is like he leaves so much room to grow that even some of the songs that sounded different back in 2011 when I saw him at Sound Academy he's changed that and they fit the vibe of you know 22 million and I, I much more you know with synthesizing and with um, sampling and stuff like that like he's just been able to almost augment his back catalog by introducing some of the stuff that maybe he wasn't as um uh, uh you know just really didn't use as much as as he does obviously right now with his with his newer uh, material so it was pretty cool to see him and yeah the light show was pretty uh yeah it was, was great. pretty awesome i think like- it, was fu- it was funny when you uh, sorry it was funny anytime that a song finished you would just turn to me and just be like, that was great. And then just turn back, just keep yeah, fucking just keep watching, watching. Yeah. for like 20 minutes. Yeah, it was awesome. The, and like anybody who knows me knows I'm huge on drums. Like I love drums. It's it's what my what I appreciate. It goes drums, brass, guitar, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, the drums live that, that he has is so good. Like it's so powerful. Like you can feel like it, oh, it makes me sound like such a hippy dippy stoner boy when i talk about it but like the music that he plays live you can really feel the emotion that they're putting into every song that they're playing every night like 
it's so weird because you feel like uh, Justin is like almost like um, not a catalyst, but what do you call someone who like channels something? What's the word? A I catalyst. Mean? I think a catalyst right starts something. But anyways, whatever the word is, I don't know. I'm not a dictionary. Um, but he basically takes on all the emotion that he feels about everything that's going on in the world. And he just expresses that through his music. And I think what's crazy is when he tries to do like his, his like little babbles, he always seems so confused and all like on the brink of like, every time I'm scratching my head and I'm like, this is not what you would expect out of somebody who's like making this music because he's just like, Hey guys, I think, you know, there's bad things happening in the world and we need to be aware of the bad things and come together and make good things. And you're just like, dude, what? <laughs> and he's like, and uh, here's, here's an old song I wrote. It's called uh, Blood Bank. Uh, and here we go. And like, you're like, okay, like whatever. But then he sings it and you're like, oh, that's what he meant. Like all that pain and anger <laughs> that's coming out of his voice because he's, you know, I listened to an interview with him about II, and they recorded a lot of it next to the Mexican border. And he was in tears through half the interview, crying about like the mistreatment of like Mexican people in the United States of America and all this type of thing that he was taking onto his plate and translating into the music. It's it's so interesting to see, and it, it, the the end result when you see it live is truly something to behold. Yeah, I think I think you, you touch on something really important there, which is one of the things that's kind of um stood out about listening to him is you don't really always understand what he's saying, but you do understand what he's saying. If that kind of makes sense. Like he's, he speaks almost through um, like inflection and tone rather than through like words. Don't get me wrong. Like he has some really, really well written songs, but there's a majority of his catalog. Like, I don't know the, I don't know the, the words of what he's singing or kind of what he means by them. But a lot of the time it's just, you, you, you hear, kind of what he's trying to say if that makes sense like you, you, there's something that you kind of feel in the way that he delivers his lyrics and i think that that becomes especially so when he uses you know his, his higher pitch voice and when he when he uses his falsetto and he and he um he, his, he lets his voice really kind of soar it's it's funny because if you hear him talk he doesn't he just sounds like a midwestern dude like he just sounds like he sounds like a Cubs fan. I don't know how else to describe it like Cubs he just sounds like a guy like he sounds like a Milwaukee he sounds like fan. Yeah, he sounds like a Milwaukee Brewers fan. That's probably more accurate. And then yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mean that in a demeaning way. He's just he sounds like a Midwest dude. And then you hear him sing and you're like, man, he's like a Midwest angel. Like it's very strange. Who loves um, basketball? Who loves basketball, yeah. Uh so he he's done a, I think he's done a lot of um of growth over 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 that time. Um and we keep going back to his live show. I can't recommend enough. And Shane, you're in the same boat. We can't recommend recommend enough seeing him. Uh, live obviously that might be tough this year but he is touring um in the fall and he is attending some festivals that hopefully may still see some capacity of of existing but it's very unlikely but if you do get an opportunity to see justin vernon play live um can't recommend it enough um so that takes us kind of through 2012 i'd say after that he started to work with james blake a little bit he has a song called uh fall creek boys choir which is really when he started to kind of expand on uh, what he had done with Woods. So Woods is a, a heavily auto-tune track that Kanye um, kind of re-recorded and sampled on Lost in the World. Um, and Boney Bear has kind of taken that, I think, almost like the framework for what he does now. So a lot of modulation, a lot of layering, a lot of um, creative use of his own voice. Um, and he really just did a lot of um, 
a lot of tracks that kind of sound similar to it, but are also unique. So you've got Woods, uh, Fall, Creek Boys Choir. You hear Creeks on 22 a Million, which is probably the closest thing to Woods. Kind of a theme there, I guess, Woods and Creeks, except Creeks is not spelt like Creeks. And we'll get into that when we start talking about 22 a Million. Um, and then from there, uh, yeah, I, I think he's just kind of gotten obsessed with the idea of distorting himself and 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 and, uh, and delivering music a little bit differently. One other thing important to add, Kanye in 2011, uh, was it 2011, 2012? He, when Kanye headlined Coachella, uh, Bon Iver was actually one of his backup singers um, and got very frustrated with his microphone at one point because I don't think it was working properly. And so there's a video of him ripping it out of his ear and then just kind of doing his own thing, which is pretty awesome. I don't know if there's a more Justin, Fer- uh, Justin Vernon thing to do, but it's kind of crazy to think that somebody that we've seen live and can bring so much energy, their uh, energy to their own show would be able to just be a module of Kanye's show and and um, and complement him. And I think it goes back to what we talked about. Like they just kind of work seamlessly with one another. So hopefully they make more music in the future. Even though it's been a little while since we heard the two of them work together. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, right now they he's expressed uh, a lot of disappointment or misalignment in between his message versus Kanye's message. So. I don't know when we would see them working together again, but I would definitely love to see that for sure. I'm sure they have a lot of uh, stuff cataloged from Dark Twisted Fantasy and uh, and um, Watch a Throne Days that he might be able to use. And yeah, even Yandi, I think it was a part of Yandi. There's a couple of tracks that leaked, I think, that had that featured him. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, that takes us through uh, 2012. Uh, brief hiatus. So there was a, a long time uh, between the two of them. Um, sorry, between the two records. So 2012, Bonnie Bear came out June 2012, and then we didn't really hear about uh, any kind of follow up until 2016. Um, 2015, he started a festival called Eau Claire's. Uh, I believe it was in 2015 he started it, and he played two new songs, one of which was called 89, which has kind of become a favorite in the fan circles. It hasn't seen an official release, but Justin has teased that at some point um, in the next little while. It's highly likely that it would get released, Um, and then I think was January of last year. There's been some teasing since then, and he's played it live on his most recent tour. So the hope is that we get to hear 89, because it does sound awesome from what I've heard live online. And then he played uh, Sixes, or 666 under... Uh, sorry, upside down cross. As we're gonna have trouble describing the track names of Twenty Two A Million, I realized. Yeah, it's just like we're gonna be mentioning like old like Black Magic curses. Is it's like <laughs> yeah, snake skin, rattlesnake, Newt's eye, <laughs> like upside down hangman, squirrel, squirrel, possibly an egg. This is my favorite song on that album, and that's like that's what I think is <laughs> part of what's so po- like polarizing about that album is like. You look at that and you look at this and you're like, oh, it's the mark of the beast. Like it's this whole like occult thing. Like what's going on here? How can you translate this? Blah, blah, blah. Like the track list makes no damn sense. But yet the work is great. Like you, it's the, it's the, you know, one of those things where you just can't judge it by its cover. Or you can, if you like culty, weird looking shit. Yeah. In which case, dive in. I love honestly. I love the sam- uh, the symbols and uh, at the beginning, like it was, yeah, it was strange. It's kind of off putting because you don't really know how to describe it. And trying to go and explain to friends that hey, Bonnie Bear's new album is out, and in order to search for it, you've got to search twenty two parentheses over soon all caps and the O's and soon are two infinite symbols, 
parentheses like fucking i don't yeah yeah it's like like with other people it's like he just he just got an msn account and he's trying to come up with like a cool name for people so then he puts like all those weird characters all the alt characters that he can put he puts them all in the titles of the songs it's just it does like death breast and it's got two dice in it it's like what is going on Um, but I think we can agree on, uh, I think we can agree that the art is, it is truly unique. Um, and I, I, you know, we've, we've already kind of alluded to it a little bit, but it really is the big, um, jump for him. And and where you see his career kind of take the turn and, and, and start to really fork off into the trajectory that I think he's currently on right now. Um, he did, uh, I guess the band itself put out a song in 2014, kind of in the middle of their break for a a Zach Braff film, uh, wish I was here. Uh, Heavenly Father, which he plays live, I'd say pretty frequently. Um, it's definitely on the uh, on the Brooklyn uh, live album that we listen to pretty frequently. So um, I think it's a favorite of his to perform live. And then, yeah, I, I mean, 2015 is kind of when he started Eau Claire's, and then 2016 was a little bit of a break, and we started to hear uh, you know rumblings of a new um, album in early 2016. Um, and they had started touring, and then we started to hear uh, in July that. Uh, there was some social media rumbling about the, the new album coming out. So um, it was a really, really exciting um, summer. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of great albums. I think 2016 is probably one of the best albums in recent, or sorry, best years for music in, in recent memory, just given kind of a long hiatus has came to an end and, and, and a lot of, I think, just quality work came out that year. We had Chance, we had Solange, we had uh, Travis Scott came out that year. Blonde came out uh, a couple weeks um, before uh 22 a million which is kind of crazy that those albums came out so close together i had no um, idea yeah blonde came out august i want to say august 15th or august I 16th i did not and appreciate then... either of those albums when they first came out <laughs> and then 22 a million came out uh three weeks later it came out so yeah i own both like uh, this i own the boys don't cry magazine blonde i own a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> like please give me that back give me that time back uh so yeah it's 20 22 million um and then, yeah, this is kind of, I, I mean, this is definitely my favorite album. Um, just to kind of cover some ground, just to go back, I think uh, it's important to know, too, is uh, we're going to have a playlist at the end of this um, that we'll be able to upload some of the kind of the uh, the um, introduction tracks. Like, so some of the stuff that you might be more familiar with that you may have heard um, from the last two albums. I know I mentioned Skinny Love on the first album. Um, Hollow Scene is probably the song. I, I think it's probably the most popular song um, on Bonnie Bear, the second album. Yeah, um, and then we'll obviously Skinny add love, some stuff as well. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, Skinny Love for sure. Um, and then we'll add um, some stuff to there. I'm kind of sprinkled throughout the rest of the albums. It'll be very single heavy in the stuff that you know was released officially as singles. And then um, we'll have a follow up podcast where we'll dive into things a little bit more. So, 22 million, definitely my favorite album in the catalog. Definitely the point where he really started to take off for me as one of my favorite artists, if not probably my favorite artist, um, touring and on album. Um, and I think this is probably where you feel the same for the most part, from what I understand that this is probably the album that you're, that you're kind of constantly going back to, whether it's because that live album is heavily centered on this. I think it's it's the live, like my favorite, um, my favorite album that he made, that is like recorded and not live. I, I do love II. I think II is my favorite um, album. And I think it's also because I attach a certain sentiment to it. Like to me, that's the road trip album. Like 
going on that road trip and then coming back and that album coming out, it was amazing. And then listening to it with a whole new appreciation. Um, but definitely 22 a million live is unbelievable because it, it hits so different. Like it, it, it does sound like a completely different album live than it does recorded because the drums, again, the drums, like you feel it 10 times more. And you can even sense that in the NPR version that is available online versus the actual album studio version. So I'm really hoping that we get a live version of that album. Down along the creek I remember something Heard the heron buried away When first I breached that last Sunday Low moon down the yellow road I remember something That leaving wasn't easy All that heaving in my mind Yeah, I think just to kind of go, um, you know, hand in hand with what we talked about with Justin in the past, I also think that there's an article, I think, that the New York Times had in 2016 that talked about, um, you know, what, what took uh, Justin so long to be able to get back into uh, 22 million. Um, or sorry, into Bon Iver and then obviously in turn 22 a million. And he really talked about struggling with fame and, and with a lot of the, the popularity that he gained through working with Kanye West, um, through, you know, being at the at the Grammys and winning Best New Artist on his second album, um, as well as being nominated for an, uh, 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 a ton of different other uh, Grammys, either through Kanye or through his individual work. Um, and, and it had a, a really negative impact on him. So if you read uh, a little bit, I'll po- maybe I'll post the link when we post up the article, but it's a really, really compelling article that just talks about, you know, his, his uh, mental health struggles through um, trying to get, you know, back into the place where he wanted to record as Bon Iver. Um, and then just, I think a lot of the, the, the mental, um, um, uh, fortitude that he really shows throughout the record to be able to not only have gone through what he had gone through between that time and 22 millions release, but also um, the writing on 22 million and how it does, you know, it is pretty dark in some areas. And he talks about, you know, faith is kind of an un- underlying um, concept under the record. If you listen to 33 God, he talks a lot about, you know, just, 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 things that I think that you would go through if you were in a, a personal crisis of sorts or just looking for meaning. Um, so I think this album really does a lot to, to, to grow not only just his music, but it also seems like it was a big growth um, for him as an individual as well. And I think that that tra- uh, translates really, really well into the record. So it's a great article. I'll, I'll try to post it up somewhere where all of you guys can see it, but it's called The Blessed Cursed Life of Bon Iver. Um, it came out right right before the album released in uh, in 2016. Beautiful. Uh, what else we got here? So I think that that's a pretty good, um, yeah, it's a pretty good rundown. I think of his first three records. Obviously, uh, I, I hasn't been out uh, for a year yet. Came, I think it started to get teased again, probably around June of last year, right before we we went on a road trip. Um, and I, and and it really great album. I don't really have any complaints about it. It's kind of like a medley of everything that he had done before. I'd say it's almost in between kind of uh, 22 a million and, and Bon Iver in terms of the instrumentation and then some of the instruments that he's actually using. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, Shane, or if you feel like it has a more unique sound. 
Yeah, I think it does. I think it does have a little bit of a more unique sound. I think it's a, a it's less distortion in the vocals as Twenty Two A Million. It feels like a mix of Twenty Two A Million and uh, the self titled album to me. Yeah, it's like a perfect marriage between both of them. It's what they've learned and what they know they can do well translated into a, a great record. Um, but that is, uh, if, again, is very special to me. And I, I have to say as well, like I buy albums that I love on vinyl because I have a record player and the packaging on this album is just is amazing. Like the way that he did the, he did a clear sleeve on it. Then everything has its own unique art and he sources it and gives respect to the artists and things like that. Like, I don't know. There's, it's really hard to find something wrong with the album. Yeah. I, and he, he kind of expands on the, on the symbols and stuff like that from 22 a million. I know that they're not as like, they're not associated with songs per se, but, uh, but there are a lot of symbols, um, you know, on on some of the ups, uh, upcycled um, merch that he's had uh, for sale at his shows. But even on some of the pins and some of the merchandising that he's done for the album and on the album cover itself, you see a lot of like symbols. But they're almost like cartoonish as opposed to um, the twenty two million stuff, with which really did feel like I was reading a spell that was probably going to come back and you know fuck me at some point in time. But. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, it's definitely a little bit more cartoony and a little bit more. Um, I don't know. It almost looks more freehand. Like he kind of just was doing it, he was doodling what he would like Boni Vera to look like as a pin, and then he kind of just released it. Which I'm a fan of. It looks good. It looks. It looks. It still looks unique. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's really the album is really good. I would I would definitely recommend it. I think it's also the less the less. Sorry, if you want to get somebody into what Boni Vera is doing. Now I would play them this before playing them twenty two a million. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because you I think twenty twenty two a million to me is like whiskey on the rocks, and this is like you know eighty twenty. It's like eighty percent coke, twenty percent whiskey. Like you're getting, you're getting <laughs> sweet, and you're getting a little bit of that that like really earthy emotion on it, and then twenty two a million is just like oh, that's hard on the palate if you're not used to it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think you made a really really good comparison earlier in terms of it being Justin's uh, Yeezus, where it just kind of you don't. I I would not introduce somebody to Kanye West by playing Yeezus for them. I would probably ease into it with a late registration or a college dropout just to kind of um, lay the foundation for what Yeezus eventually would be. But it's definitely not the uh, the uh, the first foot through the door, so to speak. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. Okay. So we talked about uh, we talked about pretty much every album in the in the uh, discography so far so hopefully this kind of sets a foundation for Bonnie Bear um, and everything that Justin Vernon has done over the course of the last decade obviously there's a lot of stuff in between there that uh, we can kind of talk about um, but just to kind kind of give everybody an overview of, of who this artist is um, what they're known for and a little bit of background on the artist um, hopefully we covered everything um, I, I think probably something that we can do really quickly, Shane, just going through again um, on the first four albums, a song or two from each that would probably be a good um, introductory point. So for me on the first album, I would say Flume and Skinny Love are probably the two most palatable ones from the first album. Um, I think for Bon Iver, the second album, uh, Perth and Holocene. And then on 22 a million, uh, 22 over soon 
and on II, I think Kmaw is probably those are the if I had to choose at least one from each of those, I think those are probably the breaking points. I don't know if you would agree. Yeah, I would say if you want to get into Bonivale, Bonivale, uh, what I would recommend you do is go on your computational device and go to youtube.com and watch the NPR live performance of Bonivere uh, at the Brooklyn, what's it called? The, the Pioneer Works. Pioneer Works, yeah. So yeah. it's on there. It is one hour long. Put it on your television, sit back, enjoy a bevy or jazz cigarettes and just drink it in like it's... It's that's that is where you're really going to get a sense for who he is and who his band is and what they can do. Agreed. No disagreement for me. Yeah. So do that. So do that in this time of great quarantine isolation. And isolation. You're not alone. Yeah. We're here. We're here for you. Um, one last thing. I'm going to go back to the symbols again. After watching Midsummer last summer, all I can think of is Midsummer when I see the symbols. They're like what was written on the inside of the, yeah, the it's, hut it's when like, they're out in Sweden. I'm, I'm totally going to butcher this, and I'm sorry for all the like people who out there who do these things, but it's like pagan symbols, right? It's like all pagan stuff. Pagan? Yeah. Pagan. Quit pagan me. Pagan? <laughs> so st- Pagan? Emilio Pagan? Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, it's like... And I, th- I think that's part of the problem is like some people might think, oh, man, this guy said you try hard to be such a pagan. Like, or, a or like, am I in a cult now if yeah. I listen to this? Because yeah. that's uh, I would also feel that way. Well, you do want to get a tattoo of the album art, don't you? Uh, a couple of symbols from the album will be on my forearm uh, if I ever am allowed to leave the house again. So, yes. So there you go. So you and are if needles are deemed safe. Yeah, I mean, absolutely are Nicole. Yeah, cult of personality. (laughs) No, you're the winter cult, the winter cult, Bonny Vale. The Iver cult. The Iver cult. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I got. That's all. That's all. Yeah, that's all I've got. Uh, We're gonna do a. We're gonna do a follow up. um, Hopefully, in the next couple of days. Um, But you may not hear it for a little while. Um, It's good to be back. I'm glad we're I'm glad we're back. This may not be the first uh, podcast that you hear from us um, that kind of breaks the break. It would be kind of uneventful if we just, you know, discreetly put out a introduction to Bon Iver after not recording for almost a year. Um, so we'll probably have a, a, a palate cleanser. Yeah. Plus, what's the podcast without Gabby? I think he's the ultimate palate cleanser. Yeah, that guy can cleanse a palate, let me tell you. He can cleanse a palate for sure mm. with his pepper wings um yeah so we're gonna do a follow-up uh on this we're gonna do a deep dive which will probably take a look at um some of the more uh, i'd say in-depth uh tracks on each of the individual albums probably won't cover the band as much but more so the music on the four albums uh going into specifics songs that we like um songs that maybe we don't like or or songs that we think maybe uh don't belong um but we're definitely going to dive into this a little bit more um and then hopefully by then we maybe get some new bon iver music i'm not optimistic because the blood bank ep just came out but uh or the uh, 10th anniversary version just came out but they're teasing something i feel like they're teasing something for the summertime so yeah hopefully we get something maybe we'll get 89 yeah anyways uh anything you want to add uh, I'd like to add that uh, it's been a slice and um, make sure you keep your piddle in check. What does piddle in check mean? 
I don't, I don't know what piddle in Czech is. I don't speak Czech. Okay, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, good to be back. We will see you guys on the next edition of the um, Bon Iver Intro 2 slash Deep Dive in the next couple of weeks. Until then, Shane, you can say it again if you like. Yeah, guys. It's been a slice. Hey, ma. Hey, ma. All time is gone to my life. Living in a coal mine. Tall time to 